What is a soul? So we believe that every single person has a soul. Now, what exactly is a soul? So the soul is something spiritual. When we say spiritual, what we mean is it cannot be measured with any physical instruments. It cannot be seen. It cannot be felt. It cannot be heard. You cannot measure it with any physical instruments. It's a spiritual thing, and yet we believe it exists. We believe that there are spiritual things that exist um, that cannot be measured in any physical way. Um, and the, every person has a soul. The soul is spiritual. So then what is our soul? So our soul is our real selves, the individual, the person, our consciousness, our self-awareness. That is the soul. Scientists have worked for many years to try to figure out exactly where the human consciousness is. We believe that they will never find it. Because that is our soul. The individual is the soul. So it is not the, in, or when we speak to a person, what we're speaking to is our soul. Our soul is not our brain. Our soul is not our, uh, sorry, our, the person is not the brain. The person is not the heart. The person is not the body. You talk to a person, you're talking to an individual. Who is that individual? Not just a body. It's a soul that you're speaking to. When I think of myself, who's the I? That I is my soul. That's my real self. There's a story told about the Alter Rebbe, his grandson, who later also became um, a very famous individual when he was young. He once was teasing him and he asked him, where is your grandpa? Or in Yiddish, you say Zayda. Where is Zayda? And he pointed to his head. He said, no, that's my head. Pointed to his body. He said, no, that's my body. By his stomach. No, that's my stomach. His arms. No, that's my arms. So then the boy was smart boy. He went, got up, walked across the room, and he called out. He said, Zayda, grandpa. He said, what? He said, that's grandpa. In other words, when the individual responds, right? That's the person. The person's not a particular part of our body. The person is something that inhabits the body, but it's something outside of the body. So we don't see the soul itself, but we are aware of our own soul, our own consciousness. And we can see other people's soul, at least see what it does. You know that there's a, when you speak to somebody, you know they're not a robot. You know there's a person there with understanding, with feelings, with a sense of self, that's self-conscious. You know you're speaking to a person without seeing the soul because you see the way they react. You see the way they respond. When you see what happens to the individual that you see, you see the body, you see how it acts, you can see they're alive. You see there's a soul within the person. There's something animating them. There's something keeping them going. It's like many things in this world that we cannot actually see, but we see what they do. Electricity, for example, cannot be seen, but you can see what it does. 
And there are many other things where we don't see the thing itself. We see what they do. Souls are spiritual. There's no way to measure. You cannot see the soul, but you can see what it does. It animates a person. It makes a person feel and think and understand and react and respond. And it makes the individual who they are. So that's our souls. Every one of us has a soul. We know we have a soul. We are our soul. Our sense of self is our soul. But we're not even sure. We cannot pinpoint exactly what our soul is. We know other people around us because of the way they react. We know they have souls too. But we cannot pinpoint exactly where their soul is or what it looks like. Why not? Because while the soul itself is spiritual, the soul comes into a body and is we could say clothed or invested within a body. And while the soul is alive in a body, the soul is limited to the experience of the body. And the soul is only conscious of what the body experiences. Anything beyond what the body experiences, the soul is not conscious of. So therefore, our bodies are physical. Since our bodies are physical, our bodies are only able to be aware of other physical things around them are only able to see or hear or feel or measure other physical things around them. Since the soul, while we are alive, is limited to the experience of the body, is only conscious of what the body experiences, therefore the soul is unable to see itself, is unable to understand itself, is unable to see other souls, Although it's a spiritual being, it cannot see other spiritual beings. It cannot see other spirituality, such as God. Because the soul is in the body and limited, only conscious of the experiences of the body, the body being physical, the soul can only be conscious of physical experiences. And yet the soul itself, though enclosed in a body, and limited by the body, the soul itself remains a spiritual being. Any questions? Rabbi? Yes, Lewis, go ahead. Um, what, what about all of these... Um, stories that uh, people talk about where um, uh, people have a past life that they believe uh, their soul was was reincarnated. That is an Can we believe question. in that? Does Judaism believe in reincarnation? Um, that's really a subject of its own class. In our Wednesday course that we just had, we did a class on reincarnation. We've actually had a Sunday morning class about a year ago on reincarnation. It's on the podcast. Um, and the short answer is sort of. Um, <coughs> we don't believe in reincarnation in the literal sense um, that people had past lives. Um, but we do believe that to some extent souls come back and how that works is a little complicated. Um, but it, people have all sorts of experiences. Um, I would say this, because I know other questions are going to come up in this class about spiritual experiences that people have. 
Um, people have all sorts of spiritual experiences, out-of-body experiences, they're often called um, awareness of other souls and the like. Um, are they legitimate or not? So the, the truth is we don't know. The person having the experience does not know if it's legitimate or not. Because we're able to measure physical things in our current state in a body, physical things we can know if they're real or not. When we have spiritual experiences, it's very hard to recreate it. It's very hard to check it out again. Um, it's hard to know if it is our mind playing tricks on us, which it can be, or a genuine spiritual experience, which it can also be. Um, we don't necessarily have the ability to differentiate between real and imaginary when it comes to spirituality or spiritual experience in the same way we can differentiate between real and imaginary when it comes to the physical world. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, I wouldn't say all exper spiritual experiences are imaginary. They're I, I don't believe, I believe definitely some of them are real. Some of them are imaginary. Um, I don't know if we have the ability to, I, we don't have the ability to properly distinguish between them. Um, with the exception of certain unique individuals whom God blessed with, and they're usually very holy or spiritual people who God blessed with a unique ability to be aware of spirituality. Um, we believe that's only given to great tzaddikim, great saintly individuals. Um, and um, that's a fairly rare thing. But other than that, most people don't have that ability. Bart? Yes, uh, uh, and maybe you're gonna mention this later on, which is great. Uh, the soul, of course, leaves the body when you have the funeral, that's correct? Yes, oh, but before the funeral, at death, the soul. Oh, at death. I thought you needed to have the funeral to have the soul leave. So the soul gradually moves away on its own. You're absolutely right. Um, but at death, the soul is essentially separated from the body. And then where does the soul go? That's a story for another time. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. Okay. End in the class, Rabbi. <laughs> So the soul itself is a spiritual being. Now it's hard for us to, because in our current state, as we said, we're only able to be aware of things that our body can be aware of. And our body is only aware of the physical. It's hard for us to understand what we mean by spirituality. Because we cannot pinpoint or be aware of spirituality. We're only aware of the physical. But we can say that just as physical things exist, we believe in the same way there are non-physical things that exist. They don't have any physical characteristics. They're not made up of physical matter, cannot be seen by physical eyes, cannot be heard or felt physically, have no physical characteristics, and yet they exist. Um, there are the example that we can relate to is ideas. Ideas are not in a particular place or time. They're beyond space and time, have no physical characteristics, and yet ideas exist. They're true. Um, so ideas is an example of something spiritual that we can relate to. Um, but other than that, there aren't, we, in our current state, we cannot really relate to spirituality or non-physical existences. So 
we don't really understand the soul. We don't know what the soul is. But we do believe that unlike the physical that comes and goes, spiritual things are there and stay there, don't disappear. So the soul is there and stays there. It was there before we were born. The soul existed before our birth. And the soul will continue after we die. In other words, our current life is really just a temporary state of the soul. It's part of the soul's journey. But its journey began long before we were born. And it continues after we die. Where does the soul go? Where was the soul before we were born? It existed in a spiritual state. As a spiritual existence. As well, we could say a part of God. The soul comes from God, returns to God. So it exists as its own independent being, but within God. Um, and then after we die, again, it becomes aware of God once again <clears throat> and moves beyond our current existence. Now, what does it feel like to be a spiritual being? We don't know. What do you do when you're a spiritual being? Well, there's nothing to do because there's no physical um, we know that the soul um, in the next world, which we call Olam Haba, the world to come, um, the soul experiences the bliss of recognizing the greatness of God, but exactly what that feels like and what that means, we truly don't know. So the soul was around before the soul, which really is I, right? The real individual, the person is the soul. So I was around before I was born. I will continue to be around after I die. And life is just part of my experience. But the truth is we believe that life is more than just part of your experience. Because the soul was created in order to live in this world in a body. That's what the soul was created by God for. That's the soul's goal and purpose. Though if you will, the soul existed before birth continues through life and exists after life, but its main purpose is to live here on earth. The soul before life is just living in preparation to live. The soul after life, after we die, is just a, pro, uh, is just a prologue or a um, postscript of our current life. The purpose of the soul, though, is to make an impact here on earth by living in a body where we're able to make an impact. So what we've spoken about till now is the human soul. The human soul is our consciousness, our sense of self, who we are, the I in myself, the person that we talk to when we speak to someone, that's the soul. The listening is the ears, but the one who hears and understands, the one hearing is the ear. The one who listens and understands what we're saying and responds to us is the soul. So the soul is currently in, in a body, so therefore it's unaware of spirituality. We existed before we were born and continue to exist afterward. But do only humans have souls? What about non-humans? Do non-humans have souls as well? So Kabbalah tells us, and the Rizal discusses this, every single thing that exists has a soul. Animals 
have souls. Plants have souls. Even stones and rocks have souls. Everything has a soul. However, the non-human soul is very, very different from the human soul. They, we use the same term soul, but it's really not the same. And in fact, in Kabbalah, we use two different terms, not soul, we use the same term soul as either nefesh or neshama. However, we use two different terms as to what these souls do. There's nefesh ha-mechaye, a soul that gives life, and nefesh ha-mechaye, soul that gives existence. What do we mean by that? Everything that exists on earth and in the universe exists through a godly force that makes it exist. Everything that exists is a part of God that makes it exist. Think of it, perhaps, like a computer program. You're watching your screen. I'm talking to you now from a screen. Now, what you're really watching right now is just pixels. Moving pixels along with the sound in the screen, along with the sound in your computer working as well. Those pixels are really running, not by my own actions, but they're running on code. Every single pixel you see is running on code. And that code is making it look exactly the way it does, act exactly the way it does to mimic my camera that I'm broadcasting to you from and mimic my microphone that I'm speaking into. But it's all done with code. And every single thing that you're seeing and you're watching, it's all code. And in fact, if you're on a browser, you can actually click the right button on your mouse and there is a option over there, view source. And if you do that, then instead of seeing the screen as you see now, you'll see the code. So it works on a browser, not if you're using the app. So, but what we, but everything that you see on your screen is code. Everything in the world is code too. It's all God coded everything. So behind everything there's code. Or we could call a godly force that exists behind each thing making it exist. Within each thing there's this godly force that makes it exist. If that godly force were to disappear, the item would no longer exist. We don't have the option to view the source, but there is a source code, a godly force behind every single thing. So animals have a godly force making them exist and act as they do. Plants have a godly force making them exist. Stones have a godly force making them exist. Every single molecule on earth has a godly force that makes it exist. And we could call that a soul. We do call that a soul. That is a soul that's behind each thing. It's very different from the human soul. Because the human soul is an individual, a self-conscious individual that gives every human being individualism. Every human being is unique, is a unique person. 
has, is a unique individual, has a unique sense of existence. The souls in humans have choice. Souls in everything else don't have choice. They're just code that were programmed by God. They don't have choice to fulfill as God's agents that can choose to fulfill their mission. Only humans have that. But the souls in each thing indeed are a godly force within each thing. And in a sense, they also have a purpose and a mission. Every single thing that God created, God created for a purpose. Nothing exists on this world for nothing. Everything has a purpose. So every single thing that exists has a soul within it or a godly force, keeping it in existence for a reason, for a purpose. Only it doesn't have its own choice what it wants to do. Only humans are given that. It doesn't have its own sense of consciousness, its own self-awareness. Only humans are given that. The truth is, Kabbalah tells us, that humans actually have both souls. We have a soul of existence that makes us exist, that the body has. The body exists with a soul that wills us into being, makes us exist, codes us. Just like anything else that exists. And then there is another soul, the soul of life that enlivens the body or makes the body alive. That's our self-awareness. That's our personhood. What happens when we die? The soul that makes us alive leaves the body. But the soul that makes the body exist does not leave the body immediately. Only slowly as the body begins to disintegrate. But it doesn't leave the body immediately. It remains in the body. That's why the body's still there. So we really have then two souls. The soul that makes us exist like everything in this world and the soul that makes us alive, our conscious soul, that makes us aware, makes us, allows us to understand and think and do things. Any questions? Now, what about this, uh, the soul, you say um, plants and then this virus, the pandemic, uh, the COVID virus. So the soul that was set up by God and we're, uh, we're fighting it now. That's uh, the viruses have souls. Yes, they would like every other molecule. We're or fighting this, uh, this thing that's causing the world uh, huge problems is all caused by God, right? Yes, and that raises a big question, which I know is your follow-up question. Um, why does God cause so many problems in the world? And God has throughout much of history. That's an excellent question. And uh, we've addressed it before. We will, God willing, address it again, uh, but not right now. Right, okay. But yes, it's, 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 a, it's a question that bothers everybody, rightfully so. Uh, we, if we do believe, and we do, that God controls everything and everything is programmed by God, why is there so much bad in our world, so much suffering? And there has been throughout all the history before the virus, and there likely will continue to be after the virus. So back to our soul. <clears throat> so the truth is, getting back to the human soul, the which we're going to focus on, our conscious selves, the truth is that Kabbalah tells us that every person has not one soul, but two souls. 
And this is really important in understanding the human psyche and why, how we humans work. We all have two souls. One we call a godly soul, and one is called an animal soul or an, a natural soul. Now, the animal soul or natural soul is our conscious self. When we say the I that I am conscious of, that is really my animal soul. The animal soul, and we call it an animal soul because it's instinctive. It has instincts like animals. Or we could call it a natural soul. The animal or natural soul is our conscious self, but it is self-centered. It's focused on pleasing ourselves, on gratifying ourselves, on promoting ourselves, on improving ourselves. It's all about what I can do for myself. It is centered on itself. Its goal is to help and enhance ourselves. So this soul, this animal soul or natural soul is somewhat instinctive. It has a lot of instincts. Somebody does something to us, we respond, we're instinctive. It has a sense of empathy for others. It's kind, sometimes has a natural kindness. It has, it wants things that taste good or feel good, drawn after instant gratification. Sometimes it could also be calculated. It figures if I have delayed gratification, I could get a lot more. It could be a lot more successful. I could do a lot better. So it's both focuses on the instant or instinctive things for myself. Some are instinctive things that don't really help me at all, but I just respond in various ways to things. I get angry even though it's going to harm me, but I do it anyway. Um, some of it, or I like certain things, are drawn to certain things even though they're not good for me. Some of it's instant gratification, certain things I enjoy doing. Um, and then it also has calculated long-term gratification or long-term success. I can do this and I can plan and I can wait and I can have patience and I'll be much, much more successful in the long term. It can focus on pleasure. It also focuses on power, on honor, respect, social need, um, uh, appreciation of others, other, others appreciating me, but it's what we could call ultimately self-centered. It's our conscious selves and we always ask ourselves, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? But then there's another part of the person, which is a godly soul. The godly soul is really subconscious. We're not conscious of our godly soul, but it is a part of us and it, it is God-centered. Its goal is to fulfill the mission that God sent us on earth for. Its goal is to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. And that's all it wants to do. We're not conscious of it. It's part of our subconsciousness. But all it wants to do is do what God expects of us. But those subconscious, it still impacts us in the way we think and feel. And so therefore, because the human has these two souls within them, every person has this instinctive, self-centered soul, which is our conscious selves, and then a subconscious God-centered soul, what happens is in our lives, we're constantly battling. 
we're always looking out for ourselves. We're always looking out for what's in it for me. What am I going to gain out of this? How does it help me? Is this good for me? So on the one hand, we're always looking out for ourselves. And then on the other hand, we have this sense of a higher calling. A subconscious sense. We're not so conscious of it. But we have this sense that keeps impacting us that there's a higher calling. That we have a greater mission and purpose. That there's meaning to life. There's purpose to life. There's something beyond ourselves. And we have these two sides of us that are constantly pulling us. A sense of self-centeredness. I want to do what's good for me. And a sense of a higher mission and calling. I'm supposed to do what's good for this greater mission. And both these souls are part of us. And always pulling us in these two directions. So even when we have moments of self-centeredness, even when, which is much of our lives focused on ourselves, we get these flashes from our godly soul of, I need something more meaningful. I need something deeper. What can I do that matters? And then even as we're focused on God-centered things, focused on doing what is expected of us, focused on doing what God wants of us, we still keep getting focused on doing things that are... Um, not about ourselves, are there for others, um, we then get these flashes of, well, what's in it for me? How can I grow out of this? What can I get from this, from our animal soul? So we have both parts, both souls, and both these souls impact us in the way we act, and they pull a person in two different directions, one towards helping ourselves, one towards focusing on what our mission and purpose is. So each soul within us has multiple parts to it. In general, we split the soul into three parts. We split it into what's called in Hebrew, nefesh, ruach, and neshama. What's the difference between them? So we could see in our conscious soul, the animal soul, we can see these three parts. But we believe they also exist in our subconscious soul and our godly soul in the same way. The nefesh is the part of the soul that animates us, makes us alive, makes us be our sense of self. It's the part of the soul that makes choices. What do I want to do? How do I feel? What, what am I going to do next? It's a part of the soul that decides, tells my body what it should do. Go here, go there. Study this, do that. That's the nefesh. That's considered the lowest part of the soul. Then, the next part of the soul is called the ruach. The ruach is my emotional soul. I react emotionally to various events that happen. Sometimes I'm happy. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I'm excited. Sometimes I feel kind and generous. Sometimes I feel miserly. I feel like disciplining. Are limiting. So we have various, sometimes I'm motivated. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I want to be a leader. So we feel various ways. Those feelings come from our ruach, that higher level of the soul. That's what, that's what generates the feelings. 
So the nefesh is what is our actual soul that animates the body, gives instructions to the body, manages our brain and our mind, um, makes choices. The ruach is our emotional pull in various directions. And then the third part of the soul, the higher than both of them, is the neshama. The neshama is our intellectual soul. That's what drives our, the intellectual part of our mind, of ourselves. The part that understands. Not that processes, the brain processes. But then who understands? I get it. I understand it. Who understands it? I understand it. That's the soul. The soul understands. So that's the highest part of the soul. Why is the neshama higher than the ruach, the intellectual side, higher than the emotional side? The emotional side higher than the... Um, higher than the um, animating side. So Kabbalah explains to us because that's the way the human psyche works. Everything that we do is because we feel a certain way. A person does not do anything without feeling a certain way. If you don't feel about it, it's one way or another, you're not gonna do anything. You've gotta have a feeling you want to do it. I don't want to do it. I like it. I don't like it. You've got to have some feeling in order to respond. You don't do anything without feeling a certain way. What makes us feel? So Kabbalah tells us that humans only feel after we understand. We first feel, understand something, and then we feel. So we understand something is good for us. We want it then we decide to get it and go do something about it. So it goes through these three stages. First, we have to understand, then we have to feel, and then we're gonna do. Those are the stages of how the human mind works. Now, there is a feedback loop. In other words, sometimes we understand a certain way, it drives a certain emotion, and then that motion feeds back to our understanding, clouding our understanding and making us understand differently or understand it a certain way. So we understand something, gets upset. Now we're upset. It clouds our understanding, makes us even more upset. So there is a feedback loop, but it always starts with understanding. We first understand, then we feel. Same thing also, you act a certain way, then you feel as a result because of the way you act. It impacts the way you feel, which in turn will impact the way we understand. But first you have to feel, and only then can you act. So in Kabbalah tells the way the soul works, and this is really the way the human psyche works is, first we understand, then we feel, then we act. It always works through that cycle, understanding, feeling, action. So this is the way, this is something that Kabbalah has taught, the Zohar taught us already almost 2,000 years ago. Um, it has been taught through teachings of Kabbalah ever since. But what's amazing is that modern psychology has come to a very, very similar conclusion. Um, and a, there's, a, there's a part of psychology called cognitive psychology. And uh, the basic premise of cognitive psychology is exactly that, that people start with understanding, which then drives emotion, which then drives our actions. And so the, the, based on that premise, if somebody's acting a certain way or feeling a certain way, 
The real way to control the action and the feelings is by changing our understanding. And so cognitive therapy, what we do, it's used a lot for phobias. What they do is they under, change the way we understand a particular scenario or a particular phobia. By changing our understanding, we're able to change the way we respond emotionally and in turn the way we act as well. And we essentially have to cut that feedback loop. We understand and then we feel emotionally and then it clouds our understanding. We have to change the way we understand. We actually have a lot of control over how we understand things. The one part of our mind that we can really <laughs> control and use what we understand by explaining things differently, right? And we're able to understand things differently. So those are the three parts of the soul, the intellectual side of the soul, emotional, the neshama, emotional soul, the ruach, and then the um, active soul, the one that's aware, makes choices, um, the nefesh. And Kabbalah explains further that these souls really can be split into, sorry, before I get to that. Now, the animal soul has these three parts, as we've explained, um, our intellectual side, our emotional side, and our active or part that makes choices. We have each of them. Um, but we also say our subconscious soul, our godly soul that is God-centered, has these three parts as well. Um, it makes choices, which impacts the choices that our animal soul makes. It has emotions, which impact the emotions that our animal soul has. And it has intellect, which impacts our understanding um, that our animal soul has, which allows us then to see things from a godly soul perspective. We don't always see it like that because the godly soul is subconscious, but it impacts the way we understand things. However, our godly soul, <laughs> which is really a part of God, has two more parts to it. There is firstly the Chaya. The Chaya is a part of the soul that is beyond um, the, the part of the soul that is in the body. In other words, it's beyond even our subconscious selves. It's a deep part of the soul that we're totally unaware of. We don't experience. And yet it impacts us. It is a part of the soul that is actively aware of God and sees God. And, uh, but it's, it's very deep down and we're not aware of it at all. And then there's an even deeper part of the soul called the Yechida, which is really the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul as it's united with God. The soul itself is God's agent here on earth. And so the soul in its source is really just a part of God. And so the soul as it is in its source is the deepest part of the soul, the Yechida. We're not aware of it whatsoever. We have no, we have no, we're not even in our subconsciousness. Um, it's too deep for us to be aware of it, but we do have this very deep part of soul, which is a part of God. And so we're then told further that these souls, the parts of the soul at least that we're conscious of, um, actually subdivide into 10 parts, which correspond to the 10 spherot that God has. So while we mentioned that the soul is intellectual, the neshama part of the soul, the soul is an intellectual side, but the, intellectuals, the intellectual side of the soul actually splits into three. The first part is called chachma, which is our creativity. Every person has the ability to be creative, come up with ideas, come up with new things. Our creativity is our um, 
Chachma. The second part of the soul is our ability to understand. The second part of our, intellect, our intellectual soul is the ability to understand. The Bina or analysis, right? The ability to analyze and comprehend. Um, that is the second part of the soul. And then the third part of the soul, of the intellectual soul, is called Da'at. Da'at is, is about personalization or making ideas relevant to us. In other words, a lot of ideas are, remain theoretical and have no relevance to ourselves. We don't consider them meaningful in any way. Da'at is the part of the soul that makes ideas meaningful. Uh, uh, the ideas are only going to, or what we understand is only going to impact the way we feel about something if it is meaningful to us. If it's not meaningful to us, it won't impact the way we feel about it. And that's why often people understand certain things and then they don't act upon it because they're missing that dot. Um, for example, uh, now when we have the pandemic going on, uh, we've heard many, many stories about a lot of leaders, both political leaders and medical leaders, who have called on us to take various steps to stop the pandemic or to um, slow its spread. And then later, journalists discover that those leaders themselves um, ignored their own advice. And so you want, does that make, mean that their advice is incorrect? The governor told us not to have, uh, not to dine indoors. And then he went himself and dined indoors. Is that because his advice was wrong or he didn't believe in his advice? Presumably he did believe in his advice. But some things we know to be true, but we don't make them personal. They don't become meaningful to ourselves. We don't internalize them. So that is that power to internalize it and make it meaningful to ourselves. And only then does it really generate an emotion which then impacts our actions. So those are the three parts of our intellectual self, chachma, creativity, bina analysis, and dot personalization. And then there are six emotional parts to our emotional soul. There are briefly, because we're running out of time, um, chesed, which is kindness, um, gevura, which is discipline, <coughs> tiferet, which is balance, the ability to create balance in our lives, very important emotional power to be emotionally balanced, um, netzach, which is self-motivation, hod, which is submission, and yesod, which is the ability to connect to something. So those are the six emotional parts of our lives. And then the 10th of the 10th sefirot, so the 10th of the 10th parts of our soul is then in the way we interact with others or um, what we call before the nefesh is uh, called in the sefirot machot, our ability to communicate or to act um, upon our various emotions. So we make decisions and we decide to act in various ways. So while the soul has various parts to it, as we've explained, um, and the soul expresses itself through our body. And the soul has three tools of expression. They are thought. We express ourselves through thought, which is processed in our brain. Through speech, so we express ourselves to others. And through action, we act. It's another way of expressing ourselves. So the soul uses three, these three tools to express itself um, through our bodies. And so everything that we do is through these three tools of thought, speech, and action. So we now know that the person, we've 
briefly explain the soul. Soul really requires many, many classes to discuss. Uh, but just that we gave you a brief overview of the soul as in the student teachings of Kabbalah. Um, we know that every person has a soul and essentially is a soul. The real I, myself, is the soul, is not my body. Um, my consciousness, the part that makes decisions, my emotions, my understanding, is my soul. That's me. That's the soul. The body, the brain processes. The brain reacts to emotions in various ways. The brain um, tells, gives instructions to the rest of the body, but who's telling my brain what to do? It's the soul. Who's understanding, who's feeling? It's the soul, right? We could build machines that could process we can do various things. We can't build machines that make decisions. We can't build machines that feel. We can't build machines that understand. They could process. They can't understand. Only humans do that because we have souls. It's a soul that understands, that feels, that processes. So a person is really a soul. Yet, in our current state, we're not aware. Oh, we don't really see the soul. What we see is our body. And in our current state, our animal soul, which is self-centered, is mostly focused on our bodily needs or on our self-centered needs. But the truth is that within our animal soul, there is a godly soul, which is God-centered, was sent down to earth by God on a mission here on earth. So it's important to keep things in perspective, to recognize that we truly are a soul, not a body. So we should focus not on what our body wants or needs, although we have to take care of it because we won't be able to function without it in this world. Don't focus even on what our animal soul wants and needs. In other words, our self-preservation and our self-development and our self-gratification. But what we really need to learn to do is focus on our mission and purpose. Live a soul-centered life. Live a mission-centered life. Think about why am I here? What am I here for? God didn't place me on earth in order to work 15 hours a day. That's not why I'm here. God didn't place me on earth to go, go to play golf or to go touring. Can't even do that anymore. God didn't place me on earth to exercise or to build a career. God placed me on earth for a purpose. He didn't tell me the exactly what that purpose is, but he did give us instructions, commandments. And we can live our life through those commandments. But focused on trying to make an impact. Look at the people around you. Look at the places where you are, the place where you are. Look at your various opportunities. Try to make an impact. See what you can do. How you can impact the world around you in a positive way, in a spiritual way, in a meaningful way. So rather than living a body-centered life, knowing that every person is truly a soul, we really should focus on living a God-centered or soul-centered life. This is our true selves. That's the kind of life that we should live. Focus not on our body, which is temporary and going to disappear soon once our lives are over, but focus on a God-centered, a soul-centered life on our soul that is eternal. And that way, instead of focusing on limited things that are going to disappear, when we disappear, focus on what truly matters, on what's truly eternal.